0: To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. This is Nicole Hannah Jones, creator of the 1619 Project from the New York Times Magazine. The project makes a case that you don't often hear in history textbooks that slavery was foundational to America. So it wasn't surprising that we ignited a fierce debate among historians about these issues. But that's the power of the New York Times. To spark an important dialogue with bold, rigorous reporting that forces us to examine our assumptions. To learn more, go to nytimes.com slash worth it. Hi, I'm
1: Imri and welcome back to The Wannabe Podcast. The podcast that takes you from where you are now to where you want to be in 30 minutes or less. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I hope you have enjoyed the Meet the Cartoonist special so far and that you've checked out Monday's episode with Tiffany Fort. This is the final episode of the series, so let me know what you thought by leaving a review on iTunes or tweeting me at wannabe podcast. So, this week I am joined by Tiffany Tiffany Ford. She's the storyboard artist at the Cartoon Network and she has worked on Clarence, Craig of the Creek, the Powerpuff Girl Dance Pantsed special, and she's the former color stylist on Steven Universe. She's been a director at Disney TV and has worked on The Answer with Steven Universe creator Rebecca Sugar. Today, Tiffany and I discuss what it means to be a storyboard artist at the Cartoon Network. We talk about some of the demands that are placed on you if you're in that role. Also, she talks us through all of the questions you have to consider when storyboarding. So if that is of interest, definitely be listening and ready with your notepads out. How Tiffany landed at the Cartoon Network studios, you might be wondering, we find out. She reiterates the importance of putting your work out there and how it leads to you being discovered and more importantly, hired. We also talk about colour styling, what it is and why it's so important to get colour right and what you'll learn is the importance of play when you're working. Who did you want to be before you became who you are and why?
2: I I wanted to be a... Somebody that, like, works for other people. Interesting. Um, my mom's a nurse, and uh, my whole family is, like, nurses, and they have, like, a medical mission, you know, that they do. And, and a lot of my mom's life and existence is based on, like, giving her work to others. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have those same skills, you know. I'm, I I'm not – bred to be a nurse, uh, the way like my sister and my cousins are. And, uh, I wanted that. And I felt like, I I didn't think that cartoons was going to be the thing that, you know, helped me get there, but it made me feel like I, um, I'm contributing a little bit like to someone's happiness, I guess, you know, enjoyment. Um, but on, on like a super, like way more practical level, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to be a nurse. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't good. I didn't do oh. it. Yeah. I like, wasn't, I just, it's just, it's not for everyone. That's a very, very difficult job to do. And, um, but my body and my mind like was always drawing, you know? Yeah. So it's, I just followed the natural like way that my, my, my spirit wanted to go. And luckily it worked out for me. Cause I know that that's not true for everyone. So I'm really grateful that it worked out that way yeah at what point
1: did you know that you were good at drawing or do you like do you remember that moment where you're like oh actually I'm I'm pretty good at this thing that I keep doing all the time
2: yeah I was uh I remember my family always made a big deal about it but I remember going to school and other kids were good too um <laughs> you know like they my family always said I was like so good but um at school there was like this boy Ricky who was like excellent at drawing Titanic oh, and guns wow. you know Wait, what? Like, he was so good at drawing like these two things and like planes so I was like I'm never going to be an artist um but I think like mm I would say maybe around 4th grade I realized that I liked it more than other kids and in middle school I realized that I was better at it maybe than or not maybe more interested in than the kids I don't want to claim that I'm I was better at drawing than anybody else at that point but that I was like way more interested and then in high school uh definitely like it was my thing and I felt lucky to have a thing that I could attach myself
1: to I was convinced I wanted to be an Egyptologist like that felt like my calling like anything to do with history archaeology preferably Egyptology. That was kind of my bag. I was okay at history, I guess. I don't think I was particularly like better than anyone else much like you in that way, but I remember having that like I like history moment and writing was a thing and I loved yeah. English. Uh I don't I don't think I've actually followed that through like that deeply now. I'm I actually do engage with writing more and more um now. But yeah, it's quite nice to find a thing and like that's kind of carried on through your career obviously because you're, you're not doing like amazing things and your work is gorgeous so, so um I listened to you on another podcast funnily enough uh wow. before this I want to say it was like the Saturday lock party or something which was oh yeah for that was sure a really good interview you were so chill I, I loved you. it
2: thank <laughs> you my mom listens to it too oh god she's gonna find this one online too <laughs> she she said oh man I don't want to say it now I'm sure she says I talk too much she says I, I don't answer the question she says I like she said that they asked me like a simple question and I got like a paragraph. You know, I'm chatty. I'm yeah. a chatty
1: person. That's um, like the I'm a perfect guest for the po- for a podcast. Oh by the way. my
2: goodness. It's- oh my mom's gonna find this and she's gonna be like, Why did oh? why did you put me out like that? Uh, if she ever hears this, man, uh, <laughs> I want her to know that she I would not be anything if it weren't for my mom. Oh. I wanna put that out there. So
1: you were a storyboard artist at one point. Or are yes. still? Yes. You still do that? Uh,
2: yeah, I do.
1: What is it? How do you get into it? And also, I know that you also did like the you were a color a color stylist on like Steven mm-hmm. Universe and things. So can you walk us through how that came about? And did you know that that's something you wanted to do?
2: Um, it's such a long story, and I feel like. I'm still working on how to taper it down, but uh to answer your first question, uh storyboarding's super fun. It's very demanding because okay. you uh I mean, you're you have to you start with the blank paper mm-hmm. and your episode outline, which is basically like a essay's worth of like a storybook, you know? And yeah you read it and then you have to visualize it. Um, you have to do all the acting. And in a lot of cases, you have to write much of the dialogue and all of the jokes and stuff like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so in my current situation, uh, I write, and this isn't true for every storyboarding job, but it's very common at Cartoon Network to have a what's called like a board-driven show mm-hmm. where this, the storyboarder is like um, putting in a lot of the the dialogue like the actual back and forth of the characters and we write the jokes and we're like visualizing much of the episode along with the writers um not to mention like camera direction and like uh timing and all this stuff we we do a lot and we have to act it all out and you know for my particular tv schedule it takes like 5 weeks to complete your project so wow. it's a lot a lot of work and uh you know it's 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 quite a bit of drawing to get a character from the door to the chair that he's sitting in you know or mm-hmm. she's sitting in it's like you got to it's it's so simple to say that character character 1 Uh, enters and sits down Mm -hmm. and it's much more complicated to like draw every step for them required for the animators to know how this character actually moves to sit in this chair like what is their personality like what's the intent how quickly is this going to go all this stuff um but luckily it's very collaborative and you're not driving the ship by yourself and you yeah you, you have you know, I have a board partner, um, who takes up half of the episode for me and, or with me rather. And, uh, plus you have the director and the showrunners and, you know, if you're open to it, other storyboarders can help if you have like, if you just want to riff on some jokes and the writers are there always supporting. Um, so it definitely like takes a village, you know, and Yeah. yeah, it's, it's a big collaborative thing, but storyboarding is so, so, spiritually mentally physically demanding um how i got here is really weird because i entered school um i went to art school for like a year and i just wanted to be in cartoons Uh, i just wanted to draw and i thought i knew the term designer and i knew that i had like a decent hand in design so uh then I learned that this this term like Vizdev. So I tried to do like visual development, painting, and stuff. And I went through all school like thinking I was going to be a painter. Uh, when I entered Steven Universe or the Powerpuff the twenty two the twenty twelve Powerpuff Girls special, yeah. I was designer, like color design apprentice. And then by the time I went on Steven, I was a colorist. But all this time I was making comics online on my blog, and uh, the folks on Clarence saw it and they liked it and I had zero storyboarding chops. Um, but they liked my humor and they liked the way that I was telling jokes. So they yeah. brought me on. That's so cool. Yeah. It's wild. They brought me on and I was so bad. Uh, <laughs> I was so, I was such a project when they brought me on, like, um, just, I was, cause I, I had like no training, but they, my team just kept, uh, reassuring me that, it's so much harder to teach someone how to be funny and like have jokes Mm -hmm. than to teach the technical aspects of storyboarding. Um, so, uh, as much as I could, I tried to get up to speed and I feel like by the end of Clarence, I, I had a decent hand in storyboarding. Um, then I left Clarence, uh, to direct Uh, be a story like like a show director at Disney TV which was a huge jump for me because I hadn't been working in animation that long and I hadn't been storyboarding that long I came back to Cartoon Network to continue storyboarding again because I uh that's just the trajectory of my job right now you know yeah I I love to do this other thing and I came back um yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Wow. That's... Yeah. So Clarence was the first storyboarding job. Did you apply for the job there or did you kind of get recruited or headhunted?
2: Um, I was a colorist at the time at Steven Universe. And okay. because like Steven and Clarence, you know, were all the same studio, it was... I think just like a direct phone call to be like, Hey, you know, your buds in the other building. Like, do you want to take a test? Like a storyboard test? Yeah. And I did. And then they, I think gave me the opportunity to do a, sh- like a online short maybe. I'm not, I don't even remember because it's so long ago now, but I know that they were very like, uh, they knew that I was, green and not ready you know but um I did not apply for it but I did and I didn't they asked me to try my hand at it
1: and then Um, you were clearly amazing and then
2: (laughs) oh my god I wouldn't say that but um (laughs) I'm grateful to the highest heavens (laughs) that they that they wanted to take a chance on me because I I was so not ready and I don't I don't know what they saw but I'm glad that whatever they did recognize I'm glad that they saw it
1: no your work is so good thank you uh so with being a color stylist I'm I'm imagining that's quite different from being the storyboard artist
2: hell yeah so like (laughs) (laughs)
1: so for anyone that isn't even aware that this is a career trajectory I'm more robustly aware of what a colorist is. I didn't even know that was a thing up until I kind of found out more about you. So for anyone that does not know what it means to be a color stylist, could you
0: buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
2: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: We kind of give a brief synopsis of it. And yes. Yeah, maybe some of the challenges you faced doing it and kind of highlights as well.
2: Okay. Um, color styling is kind of uh, on the... hmm. Color styling happens after a designer has finalized the the character design, the props, and the effects. Uh, When all of these elements are like, signs still delivered, everything's approved, it's been shipped, it gets kicked to the colorist, and the colorist uh, colors them. (laughs) (laughs) The characters, props, and effects. Yeah, it's kind of like my job on Steven. I was like uh you know picking picking what what degree of like red garnet skin is going to be like how do we how do we communicate like that pearl is like a pearlescent person you know yeah. amethyst is purple and like how like the gray of her hair is it of amethyst's hair is it going to be like a a straight gray or is it going to be a blue gray like a like a purplish gray pink gray things like that and then the more simple aspects of the job are like you know you got a wooden box and I have to color this wooden box and even this (laughs) is very collaborative because like I am working alongside with the background painters um and you know they are you know painting the backgrounds uh after the background designer had finished you know the black and white like lined background work and then the background painter paints it Mm -hmm. and then I would compare my painted characters to their painted background so that it's all cohesive so that like I don't have a character that's like totally bright and then the background is like totally muted you know yeah
1: oh my gosh this sounds so intensive
2: Yeah, it was a huge learning experience. And I think that I really benefited by having some experience on the Prep of Girls special before coming on to Steven, because I came on because Steven was still like one of the hardest shows I ever had to color for. It was just like, Maybe because I was younger and maybe because, like, I was more green. But also because there's so many assets. And, um, at the like, especially at the time, Stevie Universe was, like... And still today is a very, very, like, lush world. Yeah. And there are many different palettes. And there are many different ways that a color, like, can be affected. And we were all just, like, working together. It made the design and color team a lot closer, too. Because we were... Always, always, always communicating. Like, how are we going to make this do the thing that is like Rebecca's vision or the vision of the storyboard artists or the directors? Yeah. Um. It was intense and it was really, really fun and I think it definitely made me a lot stronger. Um. But it's a departure from uh, storyboarding for sure. Uh. The whole time I was coloring in my cubicle, I would be making comics like for yourself yeah and I would I would just make like these strips like comic strips about me about things about my mom or like about things that I saw you know and uh I guess in looking back it was always there that I wanted to tell a story but I I didn't recognize that in myself I was still growing and I'm still growing today you know yeah of course yeah
1: no that's I mean it sounds really like all of this sounds really intense and like an amazing that you're actually in like a really great environment to learn on the job learn and collaborate with people but also you're kind of it's it's challenging in that you're growing your skill set and I do wonder how like maybe a younger designer that's in school thinking and seeing that they want to be in cartoons how they navigate that and how they find those kind of co-collaborators that can kind of Provide that same experience or environment. I'm quite curious if you had any advice for those people who, who might crave it but sure. don't necessarily have the 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 access to it right now.
2: I think that collaboration is really important in the sense that you play with mm-hmm. you, like I think playing is really really important more than anything. I think for me, I, I don't want to assume that like, you know, my answer is the right answer for everyone. But for me, looking back, there was a lot of game, like with the way that we worked together as students, you know, and as like, uh, professionals, it, I think that if you're aiming just purely to learn mm-hmm. and, you know, find out more about yourself artistically, I, I think, um, in my very personal experience that making it fun for you is one of the best ways to kind of reveal where your heart is at and where you want to be, you know, because it's, it's natural and organic. And you're kind of like following just a natural, like call of your interests, you know, as opposed to, uh, like sticking to, an agreed project. Like I have to finish this because we have a deadline and this is the way this is it. And I don't even know if I enjoy this. I just have to finish it as opposed to I can bail whenever. Um, This is just fun for me to do. Um, And I love doing it so much. I'm going to keep doing it every week. Um, So I hope, I hope that's a clear answer. Basically just to play, make sure you play and it's fun. Yeah. I love that answer actually,
1: because when I had Emily Wapnick, on the show she is an amazing Ted speaker who talks about people not having necessarily there are some people in this world that don't have one true calling and that they should they can have many interests and to follow them all and I actually spoke to her about well what if you have loads of different interests and you're just not good at them because I Ooh. love like the idea of art and drawing and graphic design I'm just not very good at it at least not right now and sure, she, sure. she was really uh she was so she's actually an amazing person but she said you know what about enjoyment like we as we grow up and become adults uh, we forget about doing things for fun and there's nothing wrong with doing something because you like doing it you should be able to do those things and have fun with it and she was like, you know, the more you do it, you'll probably get better at it over time anyway. So don't put yeah. so much pressure on yourself because no one expects a child to start something and be immediately good at it. It takes yeah. time and practice. So yeah, I think what you said really echoes that and people trying to kind of break into the industry, so to speak, they it's just a case of having the time to really just enjoy what it is that you are seeking out to do and finding ways to kind of incorporate that into kind of part of your routine I guess without it becoming a chore or work because I think as soon as you make something kind of like a must do it becomes mm-hmm. work and then it becomes so much less enjoyable how did um daily color blocks come about Was it just like an idea in your head
2: um I remember like uh in college it was really like popular online and at school for people to draw themselves like just like a daily portrait. Yeah. And I did that for a while. Um, just, and, and that was fun. And it was very much like a personal project, like work to draw myself every day. Um, and, uh, one day I think on Steven or maybe before that, I, uh, paired it down to just the colors that I wear and I made it more like a week's worth of just my colors. Um mm-hmm. uh, and like through the years my design has like really simplified. Um, the more that like my skill kind of grew, you know, and I knew how to express uh a character with less. Ah, oh, nice. You know? Um yeah. so now I have like a more an even more simple design than I did in like twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen. Um uh, my philosophy behind it is that I wanted to document what my color choice, my color scheme looked like Mm -hmm. over time, because I felt like, uh, you know, these very active choices that you make for yourself when you're shopping for clothes or when you choose to put something on your body, it really reflects like how you want to be perceived. And I think that it, I wanted to create like a long-going portrait of who I was color-wise. Interesting. The the bright phase. Like, when I started Steven, I noticed all my color blocks are, like, very bright, Um, and, like, uh, I'm wearing, like, a lot of reds or a lot of yellows, like, bright blues, and then towards Clarence, I'm maturing a little bit, and I'm, like, feeling a little bit more confident, I guess, and pulling back and my outfits get a lot simpler and now I feel like when I do color blocks um they're even simpler still it's like it just keeps paring down and down and maybe when I do color blocks in the future they'll get vibrant again and um when I look back I can just see where I was at mentally and like in life you know that drew me to to this kind of vibe
1: no I think they're really cool and thanks yeah it's quite nice to that you think of it as kind of like an archiving tool and a way to document your own journey, and is very much like about your own personal enjoyment and your own personal development, which is quite nice that that's tied in. So, yeah. like, there's a lot of sentiment in there. So yeah, that's quite totally. Because nice, uh, I just look at it like, oh my God, why can't I dress this way?
2: This <laughs> is so <laughs> superficial. <laughs>
1: um, so, finally, the last two questions uh, What's the worst advice you've ever received, and what's the
2: best advice you've ever received? The worst advice, um, I ever got was to shave my underarms when I was a little, when I was like 11, I wasn't ready to do it and I didn't know how to do it. And oh,
0: wow.
2: yeah. And I just did it because like some, some girls in my school were just talking about it and they, they were like, you know, you should do it. And my dad was like, please do not <laughs> He was like your hair is curly. Your hair is sensitive. Our family is prone to boils. Don't oh do that. <laughs> Like whatever, live your life. Um, I've seen Beyonce and she looks amazing, so I like (laughs) went. I went for it and like, yeah, that was the that was bad. Best advice I ever received is to say what you want to say it, and to my dad told me one time, um, if you can conceive it, then you can believe it, and then you can achieve it. That's what he used to say. And I I know that that's very corny. But like, for a kid that helped me remember that advice, but the power in just let hearing your voice say, like, I want this thing, I'm gonna do this thing, I'm gonna be this, I'm gonna have that. It just, it's, it's like, it's, there's a lot of power in that, you know, yeah. and then you can, kind of start your journey on the road to getting that that was like that's probably one of the best advices I ever got um I have a list of very good advice but that's that's one of um um yeah that's perfect
1: also because Uh, I massively believe in that exact advice I believe you can manifest honestly anything if you can one say out loud believe yourself when you say it and visualize mm -hmm. it so yeah perfect. Oh my gosh, don't you guys just love Tiffany? She's amazing. I had so much fun recording with her. You can find Tiffany's work on Instagram at a that's ATOFANY and on Twitter at TTffni, which is T O F A N Y. Make sure you follow her for all of her gorgeous and beautiful illustrations. And she's doing really cool stuff. So definitely just follow her for just inspiration daily. If you are listening to this episode as it has come out today, this is the last day that you can download the free limited edition Wannabe One Page Business Plan and Goal Setting Guide. So you can make your ideas real, finally. So visit wannabepodcast.com and select free download. I repeat, this is the last day. So if you're subscribed already, you will be receiving something very special in your inbox tomorrow. So, stay tuned for that. This podcast is created by the Shoutout Network. To find out more about membership, visit shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Let me know what you have learned by leaving a review on iTunes via your Mac computer or the iTunes podcast app on your iPhone. And follow Wannabe at Wannabe Podcast on Twitter and on Instagram to get extended show notes listing the tools and resources. And if you couldn't be bothered to listen to the whole episode you can find out everything that we talked about on the show notes so visit wannabepodcast.com to get those thank you guys so much for listening i hope you have enjoyed the series please do let me know if you'd like me to do more of these and what subjects you'd like to see covered on these episodes by leaving them in reviews or you know just dropping me a note on twitter or instagram i have enjoyed making this i hope you've enjoyed it i will catch you next week bye